All right, the Rangers will lose 3-2 to two to the Bruins on Wednesday night at the Garden. And uh, another game the Rangers should have won. It's the same story with this team every time they lose. They can't just lose. And, and aside from the first game of the season, they never just lose. And it's over and it's done with. They have to lose in these excruciatingly painful ways. And they did so again on Wednesday night. They had a one nothing lead against the Bruins. They blew that the way they always blow every lead. They trail 2-1, they come back late to tie it in the third, then they go to overtime and the game is over in the blink of an eye. And I turned to my wife and I said, if Patrice Bergeron wins his faceoff in overtime, the game is over. And it should have been at that moment because he won the faceoff, the Bruins went right down, Brad Marchand made an unbelievable move, and Adam Fox had to dive in front of an empty net to stop Marchand from winning the game then. But the Rangers get an on man rush, they can't capitalize, a turnover, Marchand goes on a breakaway and he scores. And it wasn't, as soon as he got a breakaway, you knew the game was over. The Rangers can't stop a fucking breakaway. Whether it's Igor Shosturkin, Alexander Georgiev, like it was on Wednesday, neither of them have a prayer on a breakaway. And for so long, Henrik Lundqvist was near perfect on breakaways, shootouts. He, he was unbelievable. It, it's almost like there's a fucking empty net when someone comes down against these two Rangers goalies on a breakaway. And on the other side of things, the Rangers can't score on a breakaway. More missed breakaways on Wednesday night. How does this keep happening? It looks so easy for the opponents to come down on Rangers goalies on breakaways. It looks impossible when the Rangers go down on a breakaway. It doesn't make any sense, but I keep talking about it because it keeps happening. They can't score on breakaways and they can't stop breakaways. And they had so many opportunities. This game could have been like 15 to 2 if they capitalized on all their high scoring chances, but they couldn't capitalize on any of them. Mika Zibanejad can't buy a goal. They're hitting posts, they can't hit open nets. Tuka Rask had some unbelievable saves, but he also gave them many opportunities to cash in, and they couldn't. And once again, the fourth line is the line that comes through. In the last two games, the Rangers have two goals total, both from the fourth line. Julian Gauthier gets his first in his career. Kevin Rooney scores again. He's got three times the goals that Mika Zibanejad does. And on top of everything, Artemi Panarin got hurt. And he only played, what, like two shifts in the third period? One of them on a power play? So it was a brutal loss. It was a brutal loss. And David Quinn doesn't seem to fucking care about making any changes to improve things. Same top six forwards. Alexei Lafreniere still on the third line. Still not on the first power play until injuries occur. Change it up. It's going to cost you your fucking job at some point if you don't. They can't keep going like this. Can't keep trying to jam square peg into a round hole. These combinations he has aren't working. There's no offense. And sure, you could say they've generated scoring chances. They don't generate goals. They don't hand out two points at the end of the game for scoring chances. So at least the Rangers got one point out of it. Because had they gotten nothing, that would have been awful. Awful. Coming off that loss to the Islanders. And now they'll see the Bruins again on Friday night. And the game Sunday against Philadelphia has been postponed. So they'll have a, a break, another rest, some more rest after this game on Friday night the way they did uh, last week. And uh, with the Rangers losing to the Bruins and with them playing them in back-to-back games, Mike Hurley of CBS Boston joined me to talk about the Bruins. So let's get to it. All right, the Rangers lost 3-2 to at the Garden on Wednesday night to the Bruins, a game the Rangers should have had given the amount of high-quality scoring chances. But once again, they're unable to finish. And joining me today to talk about the Bruins this season is Michael Hurley of CBS Boston. Hurley, how is it going today? Good. I think this is, you know, a long-standing tradition. You have me on when 
catastrophes happen in Boston, so it's rare <laughs> to come on after a Boston win over New York. Yeah, and and it's it's scary because the, the Bruins, as good as they've been this season, the Rangers saw them Wednesday, they'll see them again Friday, then in about 10 days they see them back-to-back again, so this crazy uh, schedule, this 56-game season, um, you know, I don't hate it. I, I like the fact that it seems like every game is dramatically important, and I like the fact that the Rangers are only playing the Bruins, the Flyers, the Penguins, the Capitals, the Islanders, the Devils, Sabres even. It seems like every game's big and every game's a rivalry game almost. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think it's like Groundhog Day. I think at a certain <laughs> point it's like, oh, another game in Philly with the yellow lights? Oh, back-to-back games in jersey and like we haven't even touched the buffalo part of the schedule because of covert or whatever so it's like i don't know i think some of it's going to run its course but uh yeah there's there's it's it's interesting in that old school right it's like that the old school hockey people always talk about the old adams division rivalries and things like that and you know bad blood and things like that so sure there's an element to that but I don't know. I was looking at the schedule last night, and it's like Rangers, Rangers, Islanders, the whatever. And then it's like Rangers again, and it's like okay, that, that's a bit much. But <laughs> uh, like, I don't understand why you can't play like Carolina. Like, I understand you want to limit travel, but like, can we go to the Midwest? Can we can we go a little south? Like, can we can we be a little more creative? But it's the NHL, so what do you expect? Yeah, no, I, that's understandable, and I think uh, at least from a Rangers fan perspective, where they're not you know they haven't arrived yet they have the youngest team in the league um to see teams like boston and philly and pittsburgh and washington who are in a window to win now every single game is tough uh you know you almost wish you're in the canadian division where no one plays defense and every team sucks yeah it's definitely not uh as fair as you're used to in terms of spreading it out over the the uh the, the schedule, you look at a team like Toronto just racking up points because they're playing Ottawa and Vancouver and, and you know, Calgary. Like it's it's definitely a different game and different division, which it should make an interesting playoffs. You know, maybe, I don't know what it does to a team like Tampa, you know, coming off of what they did last year. And, you know, it was obviously a unique situation last year. I mean, it was a regular season. Uh, from a Bruins perspective, they were the best team in hockey by a mile. I think they had, you know, they had the best record, but they were going to end up like 10 or 12 points better than anyone in the conference. Obviously, things get shut down, and then the bubble play is completely different. So I guess it's a credit to the guys that, that do the best uh, at adapting because it's not what they're used to. It's not what they you know signed up for and not what they've been doing for years. So uh, that, that's what surprised me the most because the Bruins, I thought, were due to step back, uh, losing Char, losing Krug, not really making improvements. But I'm starting to think that maybe the teams that can just grind are going to be better suited to make it through this 56-game weird-ass schedule. Yeah, no, definitely. And and the thing with the Bruins is you talk about they're the you know, they're coming off a game seven Stanley Cup loss, they're the best team in the league. They get off to a rocky start, but it's clear if they're if they're not the best team in the East again, they're or you know, whatever it is with this crazy and there's not I guess there's no conferences. If they're not the best oh, team in the is, East wait, division. This is the mass mutual East. Yeah. <laughs> then they're certainly right there. And uh you talk about how I usually have you on when something bad is going on at Boston Sports, but the Bruins are sort of the only thing propping Boston Sports up right now. Yeah, it's kind of like a dark, a dark period. It's it's twenty years was very good, but <laughs> I mean the Red Sox are miserable. They're just trading Andrew Benintendi to save like a few million. Uh, the the Celtics they started all right. They have you know a good young duo, but now they're like basically a five hundred team somehow that they came crashing down. The Patriots we know their situation. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, their previous quarterback, I don't know if you saw the news, he won the Super Bowl this week. Yeah. Uh, so their previous tight end, a guy they tried to get rid of four years ago, three years ago. So, yeah, definitely dark times. I will say 
as as good as you know whatever the Bruins record is nine one and two. They have a plus thirteen goal differential. It, it looks good and it's it is good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that it's fully sustainable. Like getting down three nothing in Washington and winning, and then doing it again the next night. Like it's it's super exciting. Uh, it's a credit to how much you know talent they have. But games like that, games like you know last night against the Rangers, where Zibanejad should have had at least two goals. You know, Tukarask was unbelievable. Those things aren't necessarily sustainable across the course of a season. So the numbers are a little overinflated at this point, but you earn what you earn. So, you know, they are, as it stands, you know, the best team in whatever you want to call the division right now. Mass Mutual East. <laughs> Tuka Rask was unbelievable. The Rangers had breakaways, odd man rushes, open nets. They couldn't score. And Tuka Rask, the Bruins fans have been trying to run this guy out of town for years. And all he does is keep showing up every year, keep being in the Vesna conversation. And that performance on Wednesday, that was the be- one of the best performances I've ever seen him put together in you know, what has he been in the league now, 12 years? Yeah, about 2010 he, he came in. But yeah, I mean, that and that was kind of typical for what you've seen from him this year where the only goals getting in are like quadruple deflections, you know, from point shots that go off a stick and a, a shoulder and then batted in out of midair. So he has been like that. I mean, we could probably dedicate four hour-long podcasts to the the, the misrepresentation of Tugarask in Boston. Um, people... <laughs> People seem to think that he's like afraid of the big game or is not clutch or all this. It's like these people don't understand that making it to game six or game seven of the Stanley Cup final is not a common thing and that every game that preceded it was actually a big one. <laughs> uh, I think to game six in St. Louis, the Stanley Cup was in the building or it was in a hotel next door. You know, it never actually made it in the building because Tuca made like 31 saves on 32 shots. And the only goal he allowed crossed the goal line by about a fraction of a millimeter. Like the guy is unbelievable. He'll never be properly appreciated here because Tim Thomas had a great, uh, I don't know, eight to ten games in the playoffs in 2011, and that's been hung over his head. But, yeah, Tukarask is great. I don't know if you can relate, Neil, to a great goalie not necessarily getting yeah. the proper <laughs> due uh, in the city for which he plays, but uh, that's that's how it is in Boston. Yeah, well, well, now the Rangers have Igor Shosturkin and Alexander Georgiev, who are not consistent, who can't stop a breakaway, and everyone's wondering where the guy for the last 15 years went that uh, could do all that. So um, they ran him out of town the way that the Bruins want to run Tuka Rask out of town. And Rask's career with Boston is wait, wait, so— wait, wait, it sucks being that guy, though, doesn't it? It does suck being that You're guy. Like, oh, oh, I, oh, the goalie was good, you yeah. bozos. That's kind of like me this year with the Patriots. Like, oh, hey, listen, the quarterback didn't suck last year. Everyone else did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Rask, if you go back in time, to the, there was that weird period there where where Thomas was uh, the starter, and then, like I think you said, it was Rask who was the starter, and then they went back to Thomas the next year and won the Stanley Cup, and then after that, he sort of took off as the starter with uh, you know Thomas leaving the league, then returning. Uh, but, I mean, they've had great success. Yeah, they lost to the Blackhawks in six games. They lost to the Blues in seven games. It's hard to pin it on that guy, and that they shouldn't be the didn't reason. Score, they didn't score in Game 7 at home until there was 10 minutes left, and it was 4 nothing. So you can't exactly fault the goalie on that. Uh, you did leave out one thing. Uh, Rask's playoff uh, first year was 2010 when they blew a 3-0 lead to the, save, uh, to the Flyers. Flyer, yeah. So, so there, there was that. I guess that has colored a lot of people's perspective of him, even though he was like nine years old. And, you know, anyone, they, the Flyers figured him out that series. He became quite a bit better at goaltending after that. <laughs> well, hey, you look back, Andrew Raycroft or Tuka Rask. I mean, you're not going to get much better than that. <laughs> I think uh, there was some... Some like, you know, those Twitter things where someone's like, name a lopsided trade or something. And Andrew Raycroft quote tweeted and said, Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. <laughs> Pretty good. But I feel like if you polled the majority of Bruins fans, I think easily the majority would say they, they want Rask gone. Yeah, and they also can't name who they prefer. 
uh, or who they'd want to take over. Uh, they, they, for years or maybe a year or two, they've been like, oh, Halak can do it. Yeah. How'd that turn out last year? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> you need, you need it. Uh, you know, Rask has had, you look at his conference finals numbers. It's like, I don't have this numbers in front of me. He has like a 950 and like a 1.2 in the conference finals having, you know, he allowed one goal against Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh led the league in scoring. So anyways, I'll stop now. Cause I, like I said, I could do probably four to five hours on Rask being an excellent underappreciated goaltender for some reason, but, uh, I'll stop there. <laughs> well, when when overtime started, the Rangers thankfully got the, the tying goal on the third because if they had gotten no points out of that game, it would have been, you know, embarrassing. It was embarrassing the fact that they couldn't score a goal. The top six can't score goals. It's only the fourth line. Every They either get shut out or the fourth line scores a goal or two. Uh, but when overtime started, I said to my wife, if Patrice Bergeron wins his faceoff, the game is over. And as he always does, he wins the faceoff. They go down. Marchand has a chance that... Uh, diving Adam Fox in front of an empty net is the only reason they did game didn't end there. But the game ended about 20 seconds later anyway because of a Marchand breakaway. That line, you know, is so dangerous when it's on the ice, you're just waiting for their shift to end. But as you go down the Bruins death chart, it's amazing to me each year that this team is where it is because that's you got the first line, you got the Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron line, and then you have Krejci, and then it's like no one. But they just seem to get it done. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, they've they've had... Krejci, poor Krejci. I, I think Krejci has one of the best, uh, just some of the best vision I've ever seen, you know, since, you know, Mark Savard was better. But Krejci is right there in terms of being just a wizard, sort of like he sees the game from up top. But he's also had no right wing for like the past six years. It's just it's just <laughs> this rotating cast of just, I don't want to say bums, but rotating cast of bums just moving along his right side. And, you know, DeBrusque has been on his left side. DeBrusque has had a bad year. Uh, he, he had a good night last night. I think he had seven shots on goal. But it's it's been rough on that second line where you know in the past when he had Lucic and Horton or or Lucic and Aginla it was a great line and since then you know it's been it's been it's been rough sledding but uh, I do think I mean Charlie Coyle is a good player but he's in a similar case where it's kind of like I think he has Craig Smith this year and and it's 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 not exactly you know a, a full 12 man forward lineup that makes you you know shaking your boots and certainly you know they weren't great when Pasternak was out and then he shows up and he had like five goals in three games, just, you know, hat tricks here, you know, winning games left and right. So uh, that guy's unbelievable. He's still like 22, 23 years old. So that, that top line still doing it. The fact that Bergeron's still doing it, Neil, you and I were seniors in high school. Uh, <laughs> no. Andrew Ber- I mean, Patrice Bergeron was playing with Andrew Raycroft, uh, losing to the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs that year as uh, we were children. Uh, <laughs> and he's still doing it at a high level. I think he's 35 years old. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Top line's legit. Uh, it's it's tough after that, but I think the the way the Bruins operate is to you know capitalize on the power play. They're a power play team, and hope you know your Craig Smiths, Charlie Coyle, Andres Bjork last night can you know pop one every now and then. But certainly it's not it's not an overwhelming lineup. Well, Bergeron's finally the captain now that Char is no longer a Bruin, uh, and he got to play against the Bruins last week. And I was in, I've been an anti anti-char guy forever thought bergeron should have been the captain all this time he's finally it was it weird to see chara in a capitals uniform a little uh just because it still seems so unnecessary and i know it's hard <laughs> to get on the team uh that's nine one and two and doing well but you know Chara basically plays for free at this point he's you know 43 years old his work ethic his his leadership like that's a real thing i think back to you know the cup final against the blues he takes the puck off the jaw he can't eat he can't open his mouth. He can't speak. He's he he has his jaw wired shut. He still tries to give a press conference, which was like, <laughs> man. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable hockey player. 
I, I, I'm not trying to make this like a, a Patriots podcast for you, but like what he's doing is so much more impressive than what Tom Brady's doing. And what Tom Brady's doing is unbelievable. But he's also standing straight up and throwing a ball, whereas Char is skating 20 minutes against the most talented hockey players in the world every other night. Like he's so so to move on from him felt a little bit. I know it's sports and there's no respect and there's no like uh, doing the right thing necessarily, but for like a million and a half dollars. It was weird to get rid of that. Uh, I understand Bergeron is likable and captain material and all that. but uh, So, yeah, it was weird. And then Chara scored a goal. I think he has like two goals in the past 25 years, and he uh, blasted <laughs> one against the Bruins. So uh, it was weird, but, I mean, life moves on. And I guess to the point about Boston sports in transition, that that's, that's sort of the theme around here. You talk about Chara and Brady there in the same sentence, and I saw this thing where Chara like, reached out to Brady about like what it felt like to switch teams. And I could see, like... Brady reaching out to you know other guys on his level, but I wonder how many people Char had to go through before he finally got in touch with Tom Brady. It wasn't like well, I have Tom Brady's number. It was like oh, I need. <laughs> it took like three months for him to finally get in contact with him. It's possible, but uh, Brady had a big uh, TB12 center opening in Boston a couple years ago, and Chara was there. So I think Chara is sort of bought in on that because Chara switched to a, a plant-based diet. Oh, uh, a lot of you know, I mean, he trains a little bit harder than Brady in terms of the weights and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, they, they have some sort of connection. So when you're that old uh, and you've been playing in the same city for so long, you're bound to. I don't know if he has his number. That's a good question. But, yeah, he's, he's got a, I bet he has Brady's, you know, Brady's guy's number. Yeah. And that was that was enough. Well, another Bruin who's gone, Tory Krug. My dad has had this infatuation with Krug over the years, and he was wished that he didn't, you know, he could care less about the salary cap situation for the Rangers or what their roster looked like. But he was praying that they would get Krug, and instead he went to the Blues. And I think he's another guy who was sort of underappreciated, flew under the radar because of the bigger names on the Bruins. Uh, what's it like been or without him on the team? I know he was sort of ran the power play. Uh, he just seemed like a bigger presence than than he let on for for guys who. Really really pay attention to the Bruins. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, captain material. He was certainly a guy that that brought that leadership like early on in his career because he was a, you know, he went to college. He was a captain at, at Michigan State as a sophomore, I want to say. He had that leadership thing. Like the Bruins used him uh, in their like youth camps, uh, not youth camps, you know, like when the w- rookie development camp, he would come and talk to the players, even though he wasn't a captain. He wasn't an all, well, he, he became an alter before that. So he had that, that <laughs> skill and and he was underappreciated because he's so small. And there'd be times where he'd be in the exact right spot doing the exact right thing, just getting overpowered by, you know, a six foot three, 220 pound winger. Like, and there was only so much he could do in that. He fought as well as he could, but you can't be bigger than you are. Um, but, but because of that, I think people looked at him as like sort of a one trick pony, but he was responsible defensively. He was good. And, and his, 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 Getting out of his own zone was unbelievable. His work in the offensive zone obviously speaks for itself. So I did expect the power play to take a dip without him just because he was such a weapon uh, with that bomb from the point and just his passing and everything. Uh, you know, Last year, it's, it felt like David Pasternak scored like 40 goals from the dot, just uncovered, just wide open. And I felt that was because you know penalty kill units had to consider you know where, where Krug was and everything. Uh, but the Bruins power play is still dominant right now. So credit to them. They they just kind of put Krejci out there and, and be the slap shot guy. And it, it still works. So uh, the Bruins have done, you know, I'll admit them wrong. I thought they were going to take a step back defensively playing all their young guys and play, instead of Chara. And I thought their power play would take a step back without Krug. Uh, somehow they've they've not done either. Well, the Rangers. I'll say this though: I haven't watched a single Blues game, so I don't know how Krug's <laughs> doing out there in whatever division he's in. He, uh, hold on, I'm looking it up. That would be 
the Honda West. <laughs> not watched many Honda Westerns. They're in Missouri having to go to Anaheim, Arizona, and, you know, San Jose. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Central doesn't include them, but includes... Uh, the Central's pretty central. Florida. You know it's like I mean? a few years ago when the uh, Jets came back and they like were like, we don't have time to do <laughs> stuff. You're, you're going to be in Winnipeg and you're going to play the, the Lightning every other I hate, game. I hate the NHL so much. <laughs> I, I do hope that because of last year and this year, they dump the dumbass three teams from each division and the two wild cards set yes. up. It's the dumbest. Like It works for people like us who follow it, but then you try to explain it to someone who just kind of follows hockey and they're like, why do they do it that way? Yeah. And you're like, I, I don't know. Hall of Famer Gary Bettman. They wanted to create yeah. rivalries. It's it's so dumb. <laughs> well, the anyway. Rangers the other day brought back their retro Liberty jersey. They changed it a little bit. They made it much harder to tell what which number you're seeing on the screen, even in you know 5,000 HD 4K TVs. Uh, but the Bruins, you know, they they have their own version of their retro. But I was hoping to see the the old yellow one with like the zigzags on the shoulders and the bear on the front. Where where are those? The Pooh Bears? Yeah. <laughs> they call those the Pooh Bears around here. Those suck so bad. Like Those were great think, in video games because the team stood out so much. So you like knew like in NHL, whatever, it would be like 99. You knew which team was yours because the yellow was so blatant. I mean, they're, they were brutal. I know our generation kind of likes them, I think, because we were like nine when they came out. <laughs> uh, Pooh Bears, no. They, they, they brought back some sort of, you know, like a Bobby Orr type, but they made it yellow. Uh, they haven't worn it yet in a game, but... I don't know. They still got their weird alternates. That's just a big giant B. Uh, neither they're not good or bad. They're just yeah. kind of there. So. Well, the Rangers win two games in their Liberties, and then they bring out the the blue shirts and they lose. So maybe they'll go back to the Liberty on Friday. Can't do that. <laughs> Before I let you go, you mentioned early on Andrew Benintendi gets traded and uh, to step away from hockey here. You know, this guy a few years ago, he was what, 22, 23 when they won the World Series, destroys the Yankees. Like After David Ortiz, he's probably the scariest Red Sox player in our lifetime against the Yankees. And I was like, I'm going to have to see this fucking guy for 15 more years. <laughs> and now he's gone. Mookie Betts is gone. It's like, this, is, this has been the greatest couple years here as Yankees fans for the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Benintendi... He has, and I'm a, I'm definitely a scout. You know, I'm, I'm grinding the tape like, like the scouts. <laughs> but when, when he got called up, or, or when he was about to get called up, I think like four or five years ago, I was looking at every video on the internet I could find of him. I'm like, this kid's swing is unbelievable because he can pull it and hit bombs. He can poke it down the left field line for doubles. Like he is an all field hitter. He's, he clearly has a good approach, and he did. I mean, he was huge in the, in the postseason in 2018 when they won the World Series. His diving catch in Houston, it was game four. That put the Red Sox up 3-1. If he misses that and it's 2-2 against Houston, I don't know how that series turns out. So uh, he was a huge part of that. He had a big catch in the World Series, too. Remember, he had like the, the Michael Jordan pose jumping in front of the, the uh, Green Monster uh, to make a catch against the Dodgers. So was a great player. Uh, huge drop-off in 2019. Just like was not the same player. And then last year he played like 10 games and was hurt and batted like 100. So I understand that you know you could do better, but it also seems like the Red Sox just traded Andrew Benintendi for a worse version of Andrew Benintendi while paying $2 million for Andrew Benintendi to play in the Royals. So uh, it seems a little bit extreme. And just to go to the to full circle, you had, you had that outfield that year was Jackie Bradley, Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, and Brock Holt. That was 2018. They're all gone. Uh, the Red Sox aren't the team that they used to be and uh yeah i don't know well i think that's a great way to end this because <laughs> it <laughs> we means had to get, we had to get there eventually right? yeah we had to get there eventually do the patriots quarterback search they're gonna end up with <laughs> ryan fitzpatrick hey 
He's he's got still got some magic left in him. But Hurley, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, Rangers Bruins again on Friday, and then pretty much again. It seems like every other day for the rest of the season. So uh, thanks again for taking the time to come on. Always appreciate it. All right, thanks again to Hurley for taking the time to come on and talk about the Bruins as they beat the Rangers three to two on Wednesday night at the Garden. They'll play again on Friday. The Rangers won't play on Sunday as that game against Philadelphia has been postponed. So after Friday's game against the Bruins, they'll play next on Tuesday against the Devils. Uh, and then on Thursday against the Flyers, I guess that's which is scheduled as of now. We'll see what happens there. So, And then two consecutive days against the Capitals next Saturday and Sunday. So tough games ahead because after that it's Flyers again and then Boston two games in a row. This is a, this is a brutal part of the Rangers' schedule. They need to start holding leads. They need to start scoring goals. They need their top six to start doing something. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening.